Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. you to remain standing as you are able as we as we hang on every word that comes to us um, both through the singing of our worship but also through the reading of God's holy word believing um, that, that when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and upon his truth and upon his words that we see the world differently and we seek the world differently today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 26 verses 6 through 13 let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word Now when Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray that your spirit would be with us, and that your truth would speak to us. And so, Lord, that is what we pray, is that the truth of your good news, the truth of your Son, Jesus Christ, will be made known to us this day and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, you all did text me, and so let me just kind of share with you some of the... um, some of the, the texts that I got about what your favorite smell is. Fresh cut wheat, somebody texted me, a farmer I'm sort of imagining here. I, uh, I, somebody said springtime, that makes my allergies go crazy, so that's not my favorite, but I'm glad it's somebody else's. Um, so one person is coconuts and the others is donuts, so they must be happy when um, they walk into church on Sunday morning. Um, fresh cut cedar. I wasn't sure about this one, puppy breath, um, but maybe, maybe so. Um, this person is already hungry, because, and I know where they're going to go eat, because they, they love the smell of Mexican restaurants. Um, rain-cooled air um, is a good one. Lavender, multiple people like lavender, so if, you, if you're looking for some sort of scent, lavender is a good one. Um, I do like this one. Um, hot fresh bread or cinnamon rolls. Somebody just said anything that's in the oven, um, just cooking in the oven. Um, fresh, this one, I'll just have to read it directly. Freshly cut grass, hashtag lovelace lawns and landscapes, all right? I'm not saying who sent that, but I'm just saying very interesting, the, 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 the specificity of that one. Um, lots of, of good stuff here. Um, I, I had a, a, one of my least favorite smells is apparently one of this person's favorite smells, Bath and Body Works. I go in there and just so overwhelmed. 
All right, but, but other people, they, they like that sort of overwhelmed smell. Coffee, multiple people said coffee um, as well. Let's see here. Um, grease slash motor oil. Um, and then somebody, a uh, person after my own heart, gas. I don't know, I love the smell of gasoline, um, but yes, that as, as well. Now, one of the things about, about smell, right, is that smell is actually the sense that is most tied to, to memory, both positively and negatively. Um, so earlier this fall, we had a blessing of the Broncos, and so uh, uh, people from the community got to go pray over the football team. And then they opened up, like, the facility. So you go up to the press box, or you could go to the locker room. And so I thought, oh, I'm curious what the locker room looks like. I don't remember what the locker room looks like because as I got close to the locker room, like the smell just overwhelmed me. I mean, just so bad. Like, but it also took me back to, to high school, right? And it took me back to the locker room that for some reason I could spend hours in and, not, and was just so immune to that awfulness of that, that smell, right? It's bad things um, that we associate, but also good things. Uh, earlier this week, I went into a barbecue joint. Oh, barbecue, one of my favorite smells. Bacon um, cooking is also one of my uh, favorite, favorite smells. But I went into this barbecue joint and... I mean, it just smelled so good. I was like, oh, this is the place to be. And, and one of the things that, that happened was not only did I love the smell of it, but also it took me back. And so I remember going to JB's Barbecue down in Orange, Texas. And, and anytime we visited my dad's dad, my papa, we would, we would always go to, to JB's. And, and I felt like it was in the woods. I don't think it really was, but I felt like we had to drive past all these woods and we, we got there and just the smell. And so when I go into a good barbecue place, I don't just smell um, the barbecue that's there, but it also takes me back into a specific place. And, and the more... And, and the more that sense of smell sort of dials in, the, the more those memories sort of spring up. And one of the things that I think about with our disciples and with the story that we have here is we have a story of an, an extravagant smell that surely any time the disciples even got a whiff of, of nard in the future, that they would smell and they would remember this moment with Jesus. And it really is an, a story of extravagance. And so this would be a nard plant, which is where they would have gotten the oil um, from. They had to, it had to be imported, and that was one of the reasons why it was so expensive. It was actually a crazy amount of expense that was spent. Because what they would have done is they would have had an alabaster jar and and, um, and it kind of looks like a, a, a marble sort of a, a jar. And, and for this particular jar that would have been used is that it would have had to have been broken open. It would have been only used for the most important of circumstances because of the cost. Um, and so what was the cost? In other versions of this story, and so um, in the Gospel of Matthew, it doesn't tell us how much, but in other versions, it tells us it costs 300 denarii. Now, a denarii was about a day's work for a normal laborer. And so what you can imagine is that this was basically a year's salary for a working person. So imagine this being a $25,000 bottle of perfume that was used like that. And that is the expense of what was happening, which makes a, a little more sense as to why the disciples reacted the way that they did. Don't you know what good could have happened with $25,000? I mean, if you, were to say, if you were to say, Aaron, I can give the church $25,000 or I can buy a bottle of perfume, I'll, I would say, let's give the church that money, right? That's what we all would say most of the time, right? But it, but it was an extraordinary circumstance, and that's what I want you to understand about this. It's an extravagant story for an extravagant circumstance. 
at what this woman did. And so she took this bottle, she broke it open, and she poured it over Jesus' head. And in doing so, she anointed Jesus for his burial, but also for so much more. And so you can only imagine how intense that smell would have been in that little room in which may be like the size of kind of a small classroom or a smaller living room that these disciples would have been, how overwhelming that sense of smell as that perfume was broken and was poured over Jesus. Now, we, we, if you've been a part of the church or you've seen churches and we talk about being anointed or we talk about anointing with oil, but we don't always understand the significance and, and why it became a thing. And so that's really what I want to just sort of share with you a little bit more about what anointing is and why it matters. Now, as I was telling the kid, anointing signifies being set apart for a holy or a specific person, uh, purpose. So it's being set apart for a holy purpose. This is what anointing did. Now, there were some times in which there were sort of common occasions for anointing. One of those common occasions was actually what Jesus mentioned here. It was about preparing a body for burial. Um, and so as, as we're going to find out later on in the story, Jesus dies. And then he, um, on, on the third day, the women go to the tomb. And what they're doing is they're bringing oil and spices. What for? to prepare a body for burial. They would use those oils to prepare a body. And so that was one thing that would happen, why they would use these oils or these various spices was for that specific purpose. Now the person who wasn't anointed and didn't have their body prepared for burial were prisoners. And so it's interesting in the context of Jesus dying a prisoner's death that this woman would provide what wouldn't be provided. Now, the other occasion in which people would be anointed um, that was more common would, would be if there was an honored guest. So this is what I want you to do next time you host a house party, all right, is I want you, whoever is the guest of honor, whoever comes the furthest out of town, all right, at some point in time, break out a bottle of perfume or cologne and pour it on their head, all right, and just see how it goes for everybody. Now, that seems weird to us. But that was, what, that was actually a normal and a practice of honoring in their culture. All cultures do things that seem funny or strange to us, all right? And this, but this is something that, that seems strange to us, but it was a part of, of, what, of, of a way to honor somebody, was to pour out your best. And obviously, the better the perfume or the better the oil or the better the scent, the more honoring it was. And so you can imagine in this scene in which Jesus was the guest of honor, um, that, that this would be something that they would certainly want to do as an honored guest. One of the reasons why this would, would happen would be because of the house that they were at. It was at Simon the leper. And it's easy sometimes for us to miss these little details, but I don't want us to miss this, that, that this person um, was probably not somebody who was currently struggling with leprosy or nobody would go over to his house, right? And so this is somebody who had been healed and made new, most likely by Jesus, and so think about how excited and honored he had to be to host Jesus and all of his disciples and his friends at this house. And so this, again, maybe not the most expensive bottle of perfume, but to have a bottle of perfume was a way of honoring our guest. 
But anointing wasn't just for those occasions, but there was actually specific occasions that we find, particularly in the Old Testament, that help us understand a little bit better about why anointing would happen, and for holy reasons as well, is that there were holy occasions in which people would be anointed. Because in the Old Testament, we're going to take ourselves back there, there were three sort of chief roles um, in which God had designed particular people for particular roles to make a particular difference or impact on the community. Now, the first of those roles was what we would call prophet. Now, when we think about prophet, we often think about a future teller or somebody who's telling the fortunes of somebody else. But really, prophet um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is somebody who speaks on behalf of God to the people. All right. It's not necessarily about telling what the future is, though sometimes prophets would do that, but they would be messengers who would speak on behalf of God to the people. Thus saith the Lord is something that a prophet would say. And so um, in our Old Testament, we have a variety of these sort of prophetic books that would be messages from the prophets. One of those comes from Isaiah. In Isaiah 61, we hear this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And so that is what the prophet does, is it proclaims good news to the poor. And then he goes on to talk about specific things that he as a prophet is called to do. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. These are specific good news that the prophet was to communicate about who God is and what God was doing. Um, in 1 Kings, we hear about Elijah, the prophet Elijah, anointing Elisha, um, who was the prophet who was to follow him, that this was a holy transference of God's grace and goodness. And so the role of the prophet was to speak on behalf of God to the people. And part of what we see in Jesus is that Jesus speaks on behalf of God to the people then and to us now. One of the great things is, is we can open our Bible or open our Bible app and we can see the red letters. And that's a reminder of God's word and goodness and truth to us, that he is speaking on behalf of God directly to us. What does love look like, he tells us. What does healing look like and hope look like? What does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? How do we pray? Jesus has told us that. He has spoken on behalf of God to us, the people. And so that's one of the sort of holy offices that, that Jesus has fulfilled. Now, another holy office that Jesus has fulfilled is that of priest. Now, a priest is somebody who represents the people to God. All right, so the prophet speaks on behalf of God to the people. The priest represents people to God, all right? And this is such an important role. Now, one of the, probably the story that we see this most with is actually told around December time with Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was a priest. Now, he was going to be the father of John the Baptist. And in our story, we find that he is speechless when he goes into the Holy of Holies and has an encounter with an angel. And what he was doing was he was making a sacrifice for the people, is that he was representing, he had been chosen to represent the people to make the sacrifice before God. And priests were also set apart for a holy purpose. They came from the, uh, the kind of the line of, of Aaron. I found this scripture um, uh, Psalm 133, verse 2. I thought about having a beard just for, to help you all out, but I shaved today. Um, and this is what it says. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron 
running down on the collar of his robes. And so priests in those days, they would have worn specific robes to be able to do that. And so this is a sign of, of normalcy, that, that priests were anointed with oil as a part of the occasion because they were people who represented the people to God. They were set apart for a holy purpose. And so part of what we see in, in understanding what Jesus is doing is that Jesus is the great high priest, is that Jesus represents us to God. Uh, but it talks about him being the, the mediator, all right, that he is the forgiveness. No longer do we have to go to a priest um, and, and, to re, and them do a sacrifice on our behalf, but instead we can go directly to Jesus because he is the sacrifice. And he mediates between us and heaven. He represents us. It even says when we don't have the words, all right, the Spirit will intercede with words, all right? And this is part of what it is. And so we worship Jesus as priest. But we also, the other holy office was that as of king, all right? So we have prophet, we have priest, and we have king. And the king is the leader and the Lord of the people for God. Now, it's interesting in the Old Testament, um, at the beginning of our story, after the people were set free, they wanted a king, but God didn't want to give them a king because he knew what happened whenever we raise people to be leaders and to have all the power that a king would have is that we begin to worship the king instead of the one who, who is God. And the king often begins to think of themselves as more powerful than they ought, right? But the people cried out for a king, and so God gave them a king, a leader and a lord of the people for God and for God's purposes. And so in, in the book of, of Samuel, we see this occasion in which God has decided to give them a king. And the first king was a guy by the name of Saul. This is what he says in 1 Samuel 9, 16. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people for their cry has reached me. And so they were crying for a leader, somebody to guide them, all right? And so God gave them this king who became Saul, who would deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. Um, and what would happen is that this is what the people wanted, is they wanted a king who would lead them without recognizing they already had a God who led them. And what Jesus did is when he came to earth, he became the king, not of, of normal, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the ruler of all and the leader and Lord of people. And so what was happening, especially for Matthew, as he was writing this gospel and he was trying to convert people who grew up Jewish to become followers of Jesus Christ, he wanted them to see that in this anointing, not only was Jesus the honored guest, not only was his body being prepared for burial, but also he fulfilled these three roles of prophet, priest, and king in ways beyond they would ever expect. That Jesus is the one who speaks on behalf of God to people, that he speaks words of life, that Jesus is the great sacrifice and that he is the mediator between us and God and that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords who shows us the way and leads us in the way. Now, as Jesus would do, even though he fulfilled those typical roles, he did it in an atypical way. Because oftentimes when we think about anointing or we, or we think about sort of this demonstration of power is that you need to have authority to anoint somebody. Um, and so in the Methodist church, um, I have been ordained, all right? It's uh, um, some sort of fancy kind of anointing maybe, but I had, I had lay, hands laid on me by our bishop that he was the one that had the authority to do that, to, to ordain me as a pastor and to give me authority to, to, to help lead and shepherd 
um, our local churches that are here. Now, one of the things that, that we can do as, we, um, as, as pastors is I could actually look up um, in these record books, and I could say that Bishop Hayes, who was the one who ordained me, I could find out who ordained him. And then they could find out who ordained that person and who ordained that person all the way back to Peter um, in the line of sort of church history. And so there's this sense that we want to get this, the thing that authority doesn't come from humans, but it comes from God and what God has done. But what's interesting here is who does the anointing? It's a woman who's his friend, all right, at the house of a leper. And so as Jesus does um, so often, yes, I may be prophet, priest, king, but the way that I'm anointed is so radically different. It's not done by, by Peter or, or John the Baptist or somebody who has authority, but it's done by one of the people who I'm called to represent in the home of somebody who has been radically healed. And that is who Jesus is. But, and, and so as I studied this and, and as I sort of marveled at it from a theological perspective of what all was happening here, I still struggled a little bit about like, but where does, like, what does it mean to anoint? And, and there has to be something more because it, it seems like this is just kind of a weird thing, anointing is. And, and where, what was the history of it and where did it come from? And why the head? It bothered me about the head stuff too, right? Like anoint my hands, don't let it like sort of run down my face. That just seems weird to me. And so I, I, I began to, to do some research, and I came across the, the 23rd Psalm. Um, you, if you've been to a funeral, most likely you've heard this, but let me just share it with you um, as well. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." And so what does it mean here in this context of this, of this uh, psalm about, about the Lord is my shepherd? And so that means we are the sheep, right? And there's, there's some things I understand. He leads me besides to water so I can be, be nourished. He, um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They guide me. They protect me. These things make sense. But, but what does it mean to be anoint, that, my, that you anoint my head with oil. And what is that significance? And so I looked up the word anointing in the original language, and it means to smear, which was not helpful to me at all. Um, but, but then I, I came across a, a different understanding, and that really anointing didn't begin as a faith practice, but it began as a shepherd's practice. That, 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 that shepherds would anoint sheep's head with oil for very specific reasons. And so I came across a, a book, and it's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's written by a, a gentleman by the name of W. Philip Keller, and he was a shepherd for a long, long time. And, and, and he sort of reflected on, based on his experience of dealing with sheep and being a shepherd, what does this psalm mean? And when he got to the part of being, having anointing the head with oil... He, there was just so much great insights that, that he brought. So let me share some of this about the benefits of anointing sheep 
with oil. He said that sheep are especially troubled by the nose fly or nasal fly, as it is sometimes called. These little flies buzz about the sheep's head, attempting to deposit their eggs on the damp mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. If they are successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. They work their way up the nasal passages into the sheep's head. They burrow into the flesh, and there set up an intense irritation accompanied by severe inflammation. And what he said is that, that sheep would be so bothered by these nasal flies that they would do anything they could to get rid of them, including banging their heads against rocks, trying to get rid of them. And so they would bang their heads, and they would even kill themselves if it got bad enough. But what would happen is, is that if they would put oil, and oil was smeared over their head and nose, it would protect them because it would, it would kind of loosen up that nasal passages and the eggs wouldn't be able to sit and instead they would just slide out. And so what is the benefit of anointing is it protects the sheep from the little irritants of life. For those little things that begin and just sort of fly in somewhere, but then they build and they grow and they develop and they can drive us crazy. I don't know about you, but that's something I need. Is that sometimes there are little things that get inside me. There are little things, and, and, and I wouldn't notice them, or maybe I tried to get them away, but these little things become big things, and, and they get inside my head, and they get inside my heart, and they can just drive me crazy. But I need protection from that. And so one of the things, as we see about anointing, is that it protects us from that. And that when we are anointed by God, is that God protects us from those little things. Now, he continues to talk about things, and, and he talks about in the summertime, he said, sheep, it's more than just fly time for the sheep, it's also scab time. All right, and he said, scab is an irritating and highly contagious disease common among sheep the world over, caused by a minute microscopic parasite that proliferates in warm weather. Scab spreads throughout a flock, by direct contact between infected and non-infected animals. And he said that sheep will, will share that as they sort of rub heads, just like we shake hands or give each other hugs, they'll rub heads as a way of greeting one another. And scab is most often found on the head. And so what they would do is that the oil would be used, uh, if you pour the oil or even sort of bathe them in oil, one, it heals the wounds, and, 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 to, and so thus then they're not able to share the disease. Now, this is something I think that you and I, we need, is, is that we need the oil to heal our wounds. We all walked in with wounds when we came in here, all right? But what, what God does through the anointing of his spirit, all right, is that he can heal those wounds. Now, one of the things that you've probably heard said, and I've heard said many times, is that hurt people hurt people. And that when we're hurting, we're more likely to hurt other people. And so we need healing. We need a, a, the spirit to heal us so that we don't go around and infect other people as we are so prone to do. And so the benefits of anointing doesn't just protect us, but it also heals us and allows us to be protected from other people. He said there's one more reason in which oil would be on the head, and this is really actually my favorite reason because, you know what, this really describes us quite in some ways. He says after the summer is, is the fall, and that's the season of mating, of great battles between the rams for possession of the sheep. The necks of the monarchs swell and grow strong. They get big-headed, if you will. They strut proudly across the pastures and fight furiously for the favors. The crash of heads 
and thuds of colliding bodies can be heard through the hours and of day and night. And so what we see is rams butting heads, all right? Now, I know this would never happen with you. You've never butted heads with people, and I'm sure that nobody is more stubborn than the person sitting next to you, all right? They knew, the shepherd knew, that butting heads would happen. This is the nature of sheep, is that there would be collisions. He says the shepherd knows all about this. He knows that some of the sheep will and can actually kill, injure, and maim each other in these deadly combats. So what they would do is that they would spread oil on the heads so that when there were collisions, they would slide instead of stick. See, what would happen is the benefits of anointing is that it enables graceful collisions. We know these animals are going to collide. Y'all, we know that we're going to collide. But because of the grace of God and because of the anointing of the Spirit, as these collisions happen, they become more graceful. We need to confront each other. We need to embrace in these difficult conversations and in these difficult moments. But, but we need the Lord's help that they may be more graceful. And so anointing helps us to be able to collide gracefully with one another. And so we believe in the power and in the spirit of anointing. That it's, it was a practice. And I love the way that God does things. He takes something that was common to them. All right. A shepherd anointing sheep. He used it for a holy purpose, and then he continues it for us today. And so part of what, what we're going to do is give you all the opportunity to receive anointing today and being anointed with oil, all right? And because it protects you, because it heals you, and because it enables these graceful collisions. And any Sunday in which you feel the need to do that, often on our prayer wall, we're going to have people who are available to anoint you with oil because we never know what the week may bring. And sometimes we do. We know, Lord, I can't make it through this week without you. And I want to just tell you the truth. That's every week. But there are some weeks where we especially know that. And so we want to anoint you. Now, he, what, why is that? It's because all of us have been set apart for a holy purpose. That's the purpose of anointing, is to be set apart for a holy purpose. Peter says it this way. And, and, and in First Peter, I think it's First Peter, um, it, it talks about this. It says, but you are a chosen race. He's talking to God's people, a royal priesthood. You're people who represent the people to God, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you hear what that is? That last part, you are prophets. You are people who speak on behalf of God to the people and say you don't have to live in darkness. Butting heads doesn't have to hurt all the time, but instead there is light and there is hope through Jesus Christ. And so that because we are all set apart for a holy purpose, God has anointed us to go and be. And also we're called to anoint, especially those who are sick, because we need the wounds that are healing to be healed. And James says it this way. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so I don't know what your need is when you, when you came in this morning. Maybe some of you, you, you had, a, had a need because you, you came in sick and, and you want us to pray for you and we'll be glad to do that. Maybe some of you, you, you came in and, and you want to be, there is something specific you think God's calling you to do, but you need, you need his help to do it. All right, and so we pray anointing to be upon you that the Lord would empower you. And maybe some of you are just thinking, Aaron, I'm not thinking that big. I'm just thinking I'm about to get in an argument with my spouse or my child this afternoon, and I just need a graceful collision, all right? 
And so I need to be that anointed. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.